0: Hello and welcome, everyone, to another episode of Video Analytics 101 Interviews. We do this once per month, where we interview uh, industry leaders in video analytics to talk about uh, different aspects of different topics where video analytics are being used. In the fall, we have a big focus around traffic and vehicles and traffic management. We had a license plate recognition two months ago. And last month, we had a conversation with Springs around video analytics and traffic management. So if you haven't seen this, uh, check it out afterwards. Don't forget to subscribe to this channel as well if you don't want to miss anything in the future. And today, we're continuing with our traffic topic. We're talking about how to improve passenger safety with video analytics. And I'm super happy to have one of the pioneers in this field with me today. Florian is the CEO and founder of Emotion 3D. So welcome, Florian. Hi, Florian. Nice to be here. I'd like, I really like your name. Um, so thank you for coming and thank you for doing this. It's really exciting because um, this not only is something that's very specific where we get analytics are used in a very interesting environment inside of the car, inside of the vehicle, and we hear from from time to time, that vehicles are becoming basically small data centers or small computers. So it would be really interesting to hear about the technical aspects of it. But it's also exciting because from an application point of view, it affects almost everyone. So If you have a car, or if you will have a car or even if you're driving an Uber, likely this technology will affect you today or sometime in the future. So it will be really interesting to talk about what can we do with video analytics. Um, let's start off by um, getting an overview of what Emotion 3D even does. So maybe can you give us a short summary, what, what does the company do? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, of course. So Emotion 3D,
1: we are a software company based in Vienna, Austria. Our focus is on um, software development for the automotive industry with a dedicated focus on i would say human analytics yeah? so it's all about understanding what humans are doing inside of cars and in the close surrounding of cars and um, this is used uh, for a lot of applications yeah but the specialty is we're really looking at the interior of cars and it's very important to really know what's happening inside of a car for I would say three reasons and this is also where most of our applications are located on one hand it's about safety yeah the more you know, for example, about the driver, if he's falling asleep or if he's distracted, um, the more you can intervene and prevent accidents. Yeah? So, actively preventing accidents. On the other hand, um, we are working on um, applications yeah, where you protect the uh, occupants very individually um, using, for example, 3D cameras that you can measure, where you can measure each occupant precisely. And uh, when a crash happens, we can then provide very precise information to the airbag system. So it can really personalize its way, the way it's working and uh, for improving the the safety and the protection throughout an accident. Second thing is that this information is very much useful for use experience. So the better the vehicle knows how to interact between um, the the occupants, for example, gestures, adaptive illumination, other applications, the more intuitive and the more uh, or the better the user experience for the occupancies. Yeah. So here we also have a very dedicated focus on, on these functions. And the second, the third topic is uh, normally automation or operational efficiency. This is very important. Uh, if you imagine, for example, an autonomous shuttle, it's very tricky. It's driving around alone. Yeah. And typically, if you have a driver, a human driver, it does it, he's doing a lot of useful things and If the vehicle is alone, then it has to take over all these things, for example, like detecting medical emergencies or violence or vandalism. Also, for example, if the vehicle is clean. And these functions also also require a very precise understanding um, about the interior and what the humans are doing. And we are providing software functions for exactly
0: this. And, uh, and, um, And you're providing software solutions to car manufacturers, right? So you're a supplier to car manufacturers. Yes, it's, it's a little bit
1: tricky Yes, we are re- our core but it is really on the software development. So typically our customers are not the vehicle manufacturers, but the, the big suppliers that are uh, providing submodules or sub to them. Um, we're providing software stacks that our customers, so normally um, large suppliers, can license from us. Yeah, they build submodules uh, that consist of normally uh, like a processing unit and a small 2D or 3D camera. And then they package this together with our software stack and sell this on to the
0: media manufacturers. Okay, so it's some, something like an integrator that then delivers the full solution to the user. Exactly. Okay, yeah. um, th- this is interesting. You talked a little bit about the applications already. My understanding is you have these three topics around uh, safety, entertainment, and automation. Um, maybe let's dive a little bit into this. Uh, can you give us, for each of those, like very concrete ideas, How what does it do and how does it improve uh, safety, entertainment, and so on for the user?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, of course, So maybe let's start with, with two examples for safety, yeah? uh, for example, um, drowsiness, yeah? drowsiness detection or distraction warning are very concrete examples how um, drivers yeah, can be supported yeah? when you drive for hours yeah? and uh, it's very typically um, for, for passenger cars, but also, for example, if you look for commercial cars, yeah? if a truck driver is driving around the whole day, it's very likely yeah, that he gets tired at a certain point. And our software stack measures precisely the eye openness, for example, the, the gaze direction, uh, the head orientation, and the head, head movement. And, and based on this, info, this information, we compute, for example, drowsiness scores and attention scores. Yeah, and then um, we can warn the driver when uh, the system believes that there is some some situation where it's already getting dangerous or uh, he should, for example, take a break. For epic deployment, yeah, it's um, it's a little bit differently here. Um, we typically use, for example, a 3D sensor for measuring the bodies at high speed yeah, with over 100 frames per second, and we provide for information, for example, where your shoulder uh, positions are. Uh, we measure your, your body size. And this is very important yeah, because now, currently, airbags are quite stupid. Yeah? They don't know much about the occupants they're protecting, and they have to assume like an average an average person uh, with average an average size. But of course, people are all different, yeah? larger, smaller. You have male drivers, female drivers. And and it's very important that the system can adapt to the specifics of the occupants. And that's where we're coming into place again. We measure precisely the, the size, yeah? the shoulder positions, also the head position, and how fast the head, the head rotates, for example, when a crash happens. And these are all information that the AirPAC can then use, the epic system can use yeah, for deploying in de- uh, differently yeah, for each occupant and, for example, the distance between the occupant and the, the airbag. Yeah? For example, if it's one meter or 20 centimeters, the airbag uh, can trigger with different force. Yeah? And There are a lot of other options and this is a, a very concrete example what we're doing in this, in this direction. Is, is this being done today? I mean, this sounds super advanced. No, not yet, yeah, but I think that um, there are already some regulations uh, which have adaptive airbag um, control or restraint control on the, on, the, on the agenda. And uh, this will come sooner or later and also like internationally being rolled out. Um, but there's not, no concrete, uh, no concrete um, regulation yet. Mm-hmm. It's different, okay. for example, for driver monitoring, yeah, there are concrete regulations. Uh, these are must-have functions in all the upcoming cars in the near future to have the distraction warning and drowsiness warning um, integrated in uh,
0: new newly produced cars. So you're saying that in the future every newly uh, um, produced car is required to have the safety features? The
1: drowsiness and distraction warnings, they, they will be required to have the Wow, time. cool. Okay. Yeah.
0: And so this is safety. Uh, what about the entertainment? What are you doing there?
1: Yeah, so this is quite a a wide area. I would say um, it's all about user experience. So It's about interaction between the vehicle and the the occupants. Um, A very straightforward example is gestures, gesture recognition. Um, But starting from a very simple um, level, for example, um, adaptive illumination of the specific areas in the car. If you put your hand, for example, um, to a specific area that's dark, that the car automatically illuminates this area. adjustment of components like seats yeah, that the, the seat automatically adjusts to your size uh, or the mirrors. You don't have to select mirrors, but it's automatically knowing which mirror you mean from your from your viewing direction and many other features and user experience becomes very important. Uh, if you look, for example, at a lot of new players like Sony or ever uh, planning to uh, enter the automotive market, I mean, they are really strong in user experience and they know exactly that uh they can do a lot more with intelligent sensors and uh, also provides the same user experience a very high user experience that users expect from their smartphones and if you look at cars they're getting more and more like smartphones you get big displays you get a lot of applications yeah, like a little bit like an app store system and with this also the expectations for user experience grow and mm-hmm. and another example for example what we're doing is we can uh, determine the case as where each user can look uh, at a display, for example, and this can be used for uh, for for eye-controlled dis- display control, for example, or for adaptive um, content displaying differently if the driver or the code driver is looking at a display, and many other things here. But you have a lot of capabilities because it's a very controlled environment. You know very much um, what people are expecting in terms of functions, and it's all about precise and robust sensing um of the environment hmm. and, okay. yeah, and the if third one was automation right the third one was automation exactly yeah this is um if you if you look a little bit ahead yeah, for automated driving uh automated vehicles um the the closest thing i would see today are shuttles yeah, driving at a very low speed yeah, i think passenger cars they will, it will take a far longer that these are getting mainstream um like fully automated but uh, for autonomous shuttles this is uh, there are a lot of um uh, projects already internationally for rolling out autonomous shuttles and here you have a lot of functions Yeah, in one hand is it's for example uh, making sure that not more than more people enter the vehicle than uh, than it's uh allowing to um to, to check yeah, if they're all secured before the, the vehicle tr- um, starts driving off to make sure if a medical emer- emergency happens that the vehicle calls or takes takes some actions yeah, to to uh, maybe call it uh, emergency team or whatever makes sense, yeah. that the, the vehicle is not driving around for for a full day and not realizing what's in
0: there. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and, I, and I guess luggage I and these kind of applications as well.
1: Yeah, it's important to state that these vehicles they normally also have a remote operator, yeah, which can connect mm-hmm. to the vehicle, like in a like in a um, like in a lift. Um, uh, but um, you want to reduce the amount of connect like this. The, the, the number of connections or the, the amount the, the operator has to connect as much as possible to really make this efficient if he constantly has to be connected it's it's not automated anymore and this is uh, a supporting feature that's supporting this remote operator and does a lot of things automatically and only in case it believes the there's a, a it needs support remotely then um, it asks for help or or does some actions
0: okay um so let's talk a little bit about the technology. You, uh, you mentioned, I think, already laser. What kind of sensors do you use to detect all these things? I guess there's multiple sensors involved, right? Yes, I
1: would say it depends a little bit on the use cases. Yeah? But in most cases, it's um, we're working. I mean, in most cases we're working with some active, active like 2D sensor with active illumination. So normally like an, an uh, infrared sensor, for example, um, with some some active illumination, um, also RGBIR sensors are quite common, huh, where you combine near infrared and RGB. So you get have one sensor, but you get the NIR information as well as the the RGB information. And for the use cases or applications where you need a very high precision on like 3D location, for example, or where you have where 3D information is very um, important. We use 3d sensors and here in most cases i would say no, nowadays uh, time of flight um obviously you other technologies but i think time of flight is mostly useful in 3d applications
0: okay so well, and, um, time of flight also means um, basically a lower resolution than what you get with the others right but it's good enough yeah, yeah exactly exactly yep okay um the other technology aspect that i'm wondering in, in this context is i mentioned before that cars are becoming small data centers um is hardware limitation because with all the analytics usually you need like big gpus and all these kind of things which need cooling um how how does it look like in a car which kind of hardware do you have and is this a constraint and how do you deal with it? It's,
1: i think it's a one of the strongest constraints we have Yeah, because on one hand um the processing typically has to happen in the car right? there's three reasons on one end it's um, privacy, yeah. the, the data sh- cannot and try sh- not leave the car. Yeah. That's also regulated, for example, by GDPR. Second thing is you have normally, uh, you want the signals, uh, the information um, always available, yeah. even if you drive through a tunnel or through the, the countryside, if you have no internet connection, you want to have this information uh, that you need for safety features constantly and also to, with uh, some, for some applications at a very low latency. Yeah, so, Processing has to happen in the car, and um, despite there are stronger and stronger platforms, processing platforms coming, normally you have to share the the compute power and the memory with a lot of other software functions, and so it's very important that that the the, the footprint of the, the software is very small. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. um, what we have is like a, we have a C plus plus stack with a very small uh, compute and memory footprint, which is very Flexible in terms of quoting, at different automotive platforms yeah, from Renaissance, from Qualcomm, from TI, um, NVIDIA. And um, this gives quite some flexibility depending on what the customer wants to use. Yeah? He normally has some architecture that he's use, using or wants to use for, uh, for a new car. And then we have to make sure that our software stack is really optimized to specific um, system architecture, compute platform, and the, the environment with other functions that the customer wants to use.
0: But uh, I guess that means you cannot use all these standard models that everybody's talking about, like YOLO, or whatever, you cannot use them, right? So you'd use different technology that's more efficient. Normally, I mean
1: also we, I mean we start with state of the art models normally yeah because I mean there's so much going on always and you always have to keep an eye on state of the art. Yeah? but then um, once the functions are very stable, you normally have to uh, adjust and adapt and port uh, these uh, these these models that you have yeah to um, product-ready platforms. And this normally requires a heavy rework of architectures, completely mm-hmm. retraining the, plat- the, the, um, the, the networks. Um, it's frequently the case that these platforms don't support, for example, all types of, um, of layers, yeah, that you have certain operations not supported. So you have to remove these and then replace them with some uh, layers or some uh, operations that are supported. And yeah, so here, it's it's normally requiring some some rework of the architectures. But mm-hmm. um, obviously, we also look what's out there. And I think the space is moving very fast. So I think um, it's still important that to, to keep um, an eye on, on on the newest models and to see the ideas that are coming from there.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a huge market. I, I know that when, when we are looking at data sets, so many data sets are for autonomous driving. And I could imagine that the same thing will happen for inside of the vehicles. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it feels like this industry is much bigger than our security industry, actually, because there are very few data sets that focus on our industry, and everything seems to be about vehicles and autonomous driving. So I'm pretty sure there will be lots of developments there, uh, especially adapting to a specific use case. Um, one final thing, maybe. Um, I think you already mentioned GDPR and other requirements. Is is this a special constraint in your area that you need certain certifications, or are there standards that you need to adhere to that limit you somehow in the way what that you're doing um yeah yeah
1: i mean on one hand yeah, there is this focus of our company on, on i would say human ai yeah, to understand humans On one hand, this you have some restrictions on the data it's all about really measuring humans and uh, all the projects have to consider this aspect somehow yeah, when you do real data capturing um in the car in, in the lab uh, and, and so on yeah that's also reason, one reason for example why we use a lot of simulations yeah? we have our own in-house in cabin simulator for producing this data to reduce the amount of a little bit um expensive and tricky to get human uh recordings yeah and on the other hand you also have a lot of restrictions restrictions on the um on the on the software quality yeah? There are very tight um, um, standards yeah? like for example automotive spice um, or functional safety standards like um, ISO 26262 or cybersecurity that mm-hmm. are very um um like 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 by a very precise process yeah? a lot of steps that you have to follow and um you have to yeah, you for this you you need to build up a lot of expertise yeah this is maybe especially challenging for for smaller companies you yeah? to really build up this, this workflow initially but that's exactly what what we are doing and what we already have in place to a large part um to develop according to these standards and i think this is one Core requirement if you want to build um, software for serious production cars. And I think this okay. very important.
0: Um, the interesting topic that you mentioned here regarding simulation, because it makes a lot of sense for privacy reasons, of course. Um, but it's a it's a, it's a big topic in general. Synthetic data and how can we create synthetic data sets? Can you? maybe give me a quick idea how you're doing this. Are you creating your own platform for doing this? Are you using gaming engines? Um, Do you have a provider that provides you simulated data? Mm
1: -hmm. I mean, we we tried a lot of different things over the last years, yeah. But we realized that external data providers don't work for us because we see that for developing an AI product, you need fast iterations. You have to obviously you can buy a data set, but normally then you have, once you train, you have some shortcomings. Some things are not working. You know, exactly. normally with some analysis of the data, you get an idea what you would like to have addition, but then mm-hmm. I think it's iterations, fastly telling the provider what you need in addition and then to really get these things back. I think this is not often not working and I think, um, Mm, that's the reason why we decided to have this simulation part in-house and here we are i mean obviously we are using um existing game engines here yeah, like unity or unreal um but we develop our own simulation pipelines then yeah, in terms of really simulating sensors sensor noise sensor characteristics um, the environments um, human models and also the variety that you have to do and a lot of other things yeah, but um I think that's still quite tricky. I think this step that it really works for real data yeah, that's very laborsome. and you cannot do this by not having such a fast iteration in-house. I think this we mm-hmm. see this ping-pong between our algorithm development and the simulation team as very important and key yeah, that we really that you get this to work. Otherwise, I think it's not possible because the AI team cannot communicate precisely otherwise what they need in addition in terms of what data, and I think you need this this ping-pong between the teams. That's, that's really
0: interesting, because synthetic data, everybody needs synthetic data. It's a huge topic. There are hundreds of companies providing this. And yet, I have to meet a single company that actually uses an external provider. Everybody <laughs> doing <that. laughs> okay. It's mind-boggling to me, because obviously, there's a market. But no one fulfills the need of the market. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. OK. <laughs> but it's a topic by itself, synthetic data. Um, maybe to finish off, can you give us a little bit of idea, uh, where do you think this is going, like what we will see in the coming years actually going into production, what kind of features and where does it go in the longer perspective? Mm-hmm.
1: Now, there are a lot of functions that are going into production already, for example, next year, we have um, one SOP starting next year, for example, for driver monitoring functions. Um, we see, especially this, this active safety features for, for around the driver. Yeah? These are getting mainstream. You will have cameras in every every car, and with this, yeah, you will get a, a large demand for using this hardware yeah? for a lot of other functions. Yeah? not only safety but user experience. And this is exactly where the all the vehicle manufacturers are currently heading. up. Yeah? they want to use the cameras they are integrating now because they must provide this must-have functions for driver, uh, for drowsiness and distraction. And they want to have a lot more functions and um, we believe this is um, will push yeah, these, this um, understanding of this understanding and these stacks that we're providing very strongly over the next years. Yeah, really, starting this year, but also next year, um, in a lot of serious production cars. And the airbag um, directions of passive safety. I think this is maybe a little bit further ahead. You need to, yeah, you have more um, more requirements. You have to. You uh, have longer development cycles here but i think also here we can expect this in the, in the upcoming years to, to to be integrated overall i think this um understanding about humans yeah, is key yeah, not only for the interior also for the exterior we believe this there will be a strong need um currently it's only about like most people know about automated driving from get, getting from a to b but for example in the close surrounding of a car you have so many applications where knowing about people. Uh, intent eh, if they want to cross the street, if they have seen the car uh, where they are moving, can greatly en- enhance the safety of especially vulnerable road users like pedestrians or bicyclists. As so we believe, this human understanding, human AI topic will become key in the in the automotive industry.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I totally can see that. I mean, there's so many things still to do. And that's not even talking about things like uh, curbside management where you might want to use vehicles to detect trash on the sidewalk or these kind of things so uh, it's it's a huge field that's opening up Um, thank you very much for giving us an insight into this field it goes a little bit beyond what we are usually talking about it's not exactly security industry but it's a big thing for safety and it affects all of our lives so yeah thank you for coming thanks a lot for the invitation (laughs) So, yeah, thank you again. It it has been great. Um, Everybody, we are taking a short break over Christmas, uh, and we are coming back with something big, likely in February. Um, But we want to rest a little bit over Christmas. Thank you for joining us. Thank you again, Florian. Um, It has been great. It has been super interesting. And thanks for watching, and see you next time. Thank you.